Demons are a girl's best friend, a His Dark Materials podcast. I'm Christina, and even though Sarah can't join us, I am still with Bajaya. Hi, I'm Bajaya. And Steph. Hello, I'm Steph, John's daughters, an armored person. (laughs) (laughs) Today we are obviously going to talk about the episode with the armored bears. Spoiler alert! Steph, you start us off. Um, I'm going to start us off actually right at the the very the first thing we see this episode, which is uh, our good boy Lin Manuel Miranda <gasps> sailing through the clouds, My sweet and angel. of course he's singing. Yes, because you don't put Lin Manuel Miranda in your show if you're not going to have him sing at least once. And he's harmonizing with his demon. This is so cute. I know. It's adorable. Actually. We'll get into this later, but um, uh, Lee and Hester, I think, have my favorite demon-human relationship so far. Oh, 100%. They are so good. Yeah. But um, something that I wanted to ask you guys is something, now that we're a couple episodes into the show, I wanted to ask you guys what you think about the music and the scoring of the show so far, because I love it. I'm super into the theme song. I love that maybe we're going to get Lee Scoresby singing to us a little bit. I think all of the background music is really on point. Um, and I just wanted to know what you guys thought. I also like it. And the theme song, I will say, is growing on me a lot. Like, I actually recognized it this week. I was like, okay, here we are. We're sitting down. This is what we're doing. Sort of the way that, like, Westworld, Game of Thrones, all of those. So it's I wasn't keen on it at first. Yeah, yeah. But I think that was more in reaction to the visuals, which were super Game of Thronesy. That's just like HBO, which really I, I think feel like Netflix kind of pioneered that style of credits, anyways. But yeah, no. If you ever want to get, if you ever really need to get amped up going somewhere, put that theme song on because, like, man, I've been listening to it on the way to work, and it's like, mm, yes, it gets you the going. The theme song is very, very, very good. It's got some good tension too. Like it, it's like. Here, it's very, like, appropriate for the show. It's not just, like, generically good. So. I love it. Yeah, and there's, like, choral bits to it to kind of represent the, the churchy nature of the show. And um, Josh had never, my husband Josh had never watched either, like, any of the first three episodes. And he watched it with us today. And he was like, this, this music is really good. This reminds me of Game of Thrones, and I'm very into it. I'm going to quickly look up who the actual composer is because I was going to do that in between and then I I got distracted (laughs) because we saw pictures of dogs. Yeah, I think the scoring is good during the episode as well, although I can't say that I was paying that much attention to it this time. I've made a point of listening to it this episode because when it came out, I was or at the beginning of the episode, I was like really like listening to it. I was like, oh, I should ask the girls about it. That was smart of you. So I made a point of listening. Oh, nice. Uh, Lauren Balfi. Belf, maybe? Good job. He he cut his teeth working with Hans Zimmer, oh, apparently, well. and that makes a lot of sense. I will tell you that, um, like I said, Josh had not watched the last three episodes, and um, he kept asking us when the episode started, like, what is happening? And uh, we kept telling, it, telling him what was happening, and after the end of the episode, he was like, yeah, I think I want to watch the other episodes. Hmm. Hmm, all right. That's a good sign. This episode was way more charismatic than the episodes have been so far, too, I will say. Even though it was exposition heavy, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, the dialogue is still kind of clunky. It was a little clunky, but it's also like, it was really faithful to the book. 
Yeah. Like there were a few switch ups and a little bit extra things here and there. But for the most part, like it went down almost exactly like it does in the book. I think that most of the extra stuff you get was like Lee Scoresby stuff. And my sister and I were saying, we're like, he actually, he's super one dimensional in the book. So I, we liked that they were adding some extra scenes with him and fleshing out his character and his relationship with Yorick more. Yeah. And I love, it felt so much more comfortable on screen all of a sudden when he was there. It yeah. wasn't, we have to act tense because everything is tense. Like, you know, there's a good sort of energy to him. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what everyone else was complaining about. I thought he did a great job. I thought so too. I know. Like, I get it. He can, I, get, I suppose the character can come off as a little corny and hokey, but like, A, he's the comedic relief and B, that's the kind of person he is. Like, he's... You know, fucking gunslinger, Texas aeronaut, like, right. give me the bacon. I think maybe uh, people were complaining because uh, uh, who's the actor that portrayed uh, Scoresby in Golden Compass, the old dude? Sam Elliott. Yeah, he's like very, like, very Southern. And he's like, yes. get me my gun. He So he didn't portray that one. But I, I thought he did a good job. Yeah. He was super enjoyable. Like, he got the the panache, right? Yeah. But can we start with um, Dudley Dursley? <laughs> yes. A super skinny Dudley Dursley. Dude looks good. He did a great job. He did. He has aged well, also. Like, yes. Like, he's still got that kind of, like, a little bit of a baby face, but, like... I feel like he glowed up pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was he was only going to be in that one scene, and then he came back, and I was like, "What?" Yeah. Well, so as soon as as soon as he appeared on camera, and I was like, "Oh, it's Dudley!" <laughs> and my sister was like, "Oh my god, it is!" And then I went and immediately looked it up, and I saw that he was a named character. So I'm like, "Okay, he'll probably be back." I hope so. That was me, basically me metagaming with IMDb. I think you're probably right. I could not figure out if it was Dudley or like Crab. Or Goyle. Ah. And then I like Google it and it's like, oh, that's definitely. Yeah. He's got he's got one of those pasty, slightly aggressive British faces. <laughs> he kinda got crazy eyes. <laughs> a little bit. Very intense. Like But it made the scene so good because he's such a like he's so he's so good at being kinda slimy. Yeah, like vaguely menacing. Yeah, but not not like end boss, just kinda like Mid-level. No, yeah. He's, like, the classic, like, he's not evil. He's just kind of a shithead. Right. I was just following orders, guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I loved that scene. I loved all the scenes with Lee Scoresby, and Lyra stepped up her game, and I loved all the scenes with Mrs. Coulter yeah. and Lord Boreal. Like, there was a lot to love. Oh, my God. Like, actively love instead of just be like... I have a lot of points about Mrs. Coulter's oh God, clothing so later, but uh, we can get into that. It I have it. A note about the other dude's demon also being a snake. Oh, the witch guy? Yes. No, not the witch guy. Yeah, the witch ambassador dude. There's the So the witch ambassador had a snake demon, yeah. Yeah. I was like, is that significant? But I don't think it is. So we were, Leslie, my sister, and I were talking about how a snake demon, I think it's so, supposed to sort of indicate that you're kind of... Cunning? Yeah, yeah, cunning. And like, 
Boreal is a politician, so it makes sense for him to have one. And and so is the consulate to a certain degree, too. Yeah. So I feel like that makes sense for them to both. Like, they're both, yeah, they, they, have, they have planning. They're, they're doing politics. They're, okay. That makes sense. But also, I feel like, well, actually, those two, those are established demons in the books. I feel like half the people in this world have bird demons because it's easier to CG. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like, constantly, like, during the bar fight scene... We're just like, where's everybody's demons? Like, I guess there's some birds. Um, I love that Hester is basically Lee's hype man. I love yes. that so much. Yeah, like that whole scene was great. And like, so yeah, like a, I guess we can talk about uh, Hester and Lee, I think have the best demon human relationship yeah. so far. Yeah. Punch him in his face. Go to the right. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like she can't, she can't participate herself, but she can tell him what's going on and cheer him on, and it's adorable. I forgot that if so, if a human gets hurt, the demon doesn't get hurt, but vice versa, the human gets hurt. I guess, yeah. Okay, I was confused about that. I think it does. I, I think there's mutual pain. I just don't think he was in that much pain because he was like mm. mostly doing it to steal their wallets. So I suppose, yeah. No, I thought she he got like punched in the face. He did, yeah. But, but maybe maybe she's just used to it. Yeah, yeah, that might be. The trauma is like you know relative. Yeah, it's not scary. Like he wasn't afraid of any of those guys, so it was just kind of like yeah, got kicked around a little. Yeah, but I thought it was great that she was also yelling encouragement as like that's what your demon like that's a good relationship with yourself. Yeah, encouragement and also sass. Like right. nope, don't do that. Nope, now they got you in a corner, idiot. <laughs> That went poorly. <laughs> you did a bad job. Yeah. Well, come on. And yeah, them singing together at the beginning. Yes. Oh my God. So cute. Yeah. I think, and it's also, it's starting to stand in contrast with um, when Mrs. Coulter's demon tries to hold her hand, like when there's tense. Mm, yeah. And she smacks it off. That was, I think that was a great, they're finally doing more with the demons to kind of explain character work. And it's working mm-hmm. so well now. Yeah. It's not just Pan being like, hey, be careful. Yeah, I feel like Pan is actually maybe like an underutilized thing because Pan is so much more active and he talks so much more in the books, but he's he's a lot quieter in the show. I yeah. think maybe using other characters, uh, demons, and the other characters to uh, show how demons interact with the characters kind of works better than just using, like, one character. I think it, it's definitely showing a range that we wouldn't get if it were just mostly Lyra and Pam. Right. But I think yeah, this is the first episode where I felt any connection to Lyra, because I was rereading the parts where her parentage was revealed, because last time I was just so annoyed that she was so dramatic about it. And in the books, <laughs> she's just kind of like, well, that sucks. Moving on. Yeah. She gets it dumped on her all at once in the books. Yeah. And she's just sort of like, well, that, yeah, ugh, great. Yeah. She's so canny in this episode, and I love it. She's just, like, playing everybody and being snarky and sneaky, and that's who she is, and that's finally fun. Yeah, she's she's actually very, like, cunning manipulative. Mm-hmm. And such a bullshitter. Like, she's so yeah. good at that. And yeah, she's a liar. it finally came out. Uh, can we talk about how Ba Costa completely disappeared in this episode? Yeah, well, like, you know. She was in the last one on the boat, and she's in the preview for next week, but she was just not in this episode at all. Yeah. Disney proved that, you know, you don't actually need a mother, so <laughs> I don't know why the mother figure is fine. She's yeah. on the boat, and they're on the shore, so it's fine. I guess, yeah. It's fine. And they... they 
managed to get this episode going, but it was a little slow. And if they had slowed it down further, I would have been a little annoyed. Yeah, I think honestly, I'm I'm super happy with the episode as a whole. I think they they really took that chunk of the book and portrayed it very accurately, but also kept it going. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think of uh, the witch consulate? Like, were you, uh, when in the book when they describe all the cloud pine, I'm like picturing like branches. Yeah. Yeah. I did not think about it as like like little twigs in jars. Yeah. And I like what they did. I think visually it's much more interesting yeah. than just like a shed full of branches. And visually it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a good – I thought all of the artistic and set and costume design, yet again, they're just really bringing it. Yeah. And like the fussy suit of the, the consulate mm-hmm. or the consular – Consul, consul, consulate. I think consulate. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That dude. That was like very good. Not like high polish, but very fussy, and like all of the magisterium, especially for the location. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like you don't need to dress like that. You're probably cold, but yeah. Um, as a Canadian, I really appreciate the fact that they really just sort of highlighted uh, how you can be in the north, and it's not necessarily like full of snow and ice sometimes it's just muddy and shitty <laughs> as as a northeasterner i also appreciated that yeah it's like oh it's just ugly for six months fucking lobster traps and mud as a midwestern i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i did feel really sad for um the bear yeah Okay, the, whoever's playing uh, Yorick killed it. It was good voice acting, yes. For for a CG character, like, yeah. I have been trying to find out who plays him for, like, 30 minutes, and I cannot figure it out. I just thought it was, like, I, I feel like I looked it up a while back, and it was, like, some Icelandic actor, but I I'm can't pretty remember. sure it's an Icelandic dude, but I don't know if it's a... I think all the bears are played by Icelandic people. He does a very good job, so good job. Icelandic dude. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Iceland, uh, HBO really uh, reusing a lot of their sets and locations in this <laughs> yes. episode. Like the bar, I swear it was the bar from Westworld. I wouldn't doubt it at all. They're clearly just like going back and filming at all of the Iceland spots where they filmed the North and Game of Thrones. Why not? Iceland makes it pretty easy to go film there. So that's true. I'll take it. Yeah. I only wish that they had had the mountain finally talk as <laughs> The bear. That's true. Also. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. I don't think it was the right choice, but it would have been a great choice nonetheless. So. Oh my god. Anyway. Yeah. What did you guys think about the the whole drama with getting the getting Yorick's armor? I felt like it was a little drawn out. The Lyra did not learn about the armor until way later than I feel like she should have, because if she had learned about it fast enough, she would have just been like, alethiometer, where is it? Cool, let's go by. Mm-hmm. I was also kind of waiting for that, and it took a little while. It took a lot longer than I expected, and I was a little irritated. It's like, it's very dramatic irony, right? Like, you know that character A knows one thing and character B knows the other, but for some reason they're not talking. That was a little anime for me. I was like, yeah. just, just trade information, guys. With your mouths. Yeah. I thought the finding of it could have been shortened and then, like, maybe getting it to him and, like, the dr- drama of him breaking out could have been a little longer. Not, like, not that much, like, maybe 30 seconds longer, if that makes sense. Yeah, because we just see a lot of him kind of moping around and, like, there's a lot of 
like as much as I enjoyed the scene with Lee Scoresby talking to Dudley Dursley, yeah, <laughs> I it wasn't really a necessary scene. Like you don't, it, it, I guess it it shows that the Magisterium is increasing its influence in the North, which is supposedly supposed to be free of the Magisterium. But like we already saw them on the streets, like we don't really need. The extra. I thought that was an interesting detail, though, because in the book, I think it's just the townspeople wanted the bear and they tricked him and they got him drunk. Whereas, like, yeah. the magisterium having a hand in it. I think there was, I can't remember. So, in, in the book, it's his armor is still in the church, and the, the priests think that there's like a spirit in it and he's trying to exorcise the demon from the armor. And it's, I think it's implied that it's magisterium because it's church involved. But it's less obvious. It's less like magisterium troops in the streets and that kind of thing. Okay. Because I thought it was just kind of like, oh, this this local priest is kind of a dum-dum. I don't know. I didn't I didn't hate it. But you're right. It was a little drawn out. It, yeah. I think it was just a little drawn out. It was a little too like, like TV dramatic tension. Um, but that being said, the episode didn't super drag by any means. So it's fine. I just think I would have... I don't know, the less Lee, more, maybe the action part of it would have been better for me, but that's just what I like, so. The problem is, is that CG is expensive, and Lin-Manuel Miranda is less expensive. I I, I beg to differ. (laughs) The CG for Yorick, not bad, not great. Not bad. I'll take it. I don't love the choice they made with his armor. It looks a little bit like pieces of sushi. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. Sushi armor. Oh my god. I don't. It's, it's fine. Very clunky. It's very consistent to what it looked like in the movie, though. It does not. So I no, wonder- the movie is very no? shiny and. Um, polished. You might remember, you might be remembering the book, because in the book it's supposed to look a little trashy and beat up. It's supposed to look like shit. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, can we not get a go in between? <laughs> like, he made it, him- he made it himself. They cut out the scene where after he gets his armor back, he goes, kills a seal, slices it open in front of everybody, and then takes all the blubber yes. and, like, like shines uh, it up. Greases yes. his armor right, yeah. with it. And it's like, it's it's a very weird, like, raw detail. I, I totally understand why it didn't need to be in the TV show. But, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so didn't Lyra hear Lord Azrael talk about the city in the sky? She should have seen it in the pictures that he had. Yeah. So why does she question that in this episode? I think she just still doesn't understand, like... Like, she saw that, and then she saw it for herself, but, like, she still has no idea, like, what it means or anything. I don't know. Yeah. That scene also maybe maybe not the most necessary, yeah. but it was kind of, it was fine. I, I like that it you get a little bit of Tony Costa and a reminder that Billy exists, because, as I will explain later, horrible things are about to come to Billy, I, I'm oh. guessing. Yeah. yeah, if they're setting it up for an emotional punch, I'm glad they have the reminder. Yeah. But if they're... See... If we're, are we doing spoilers? Maybe save until the end of the episode. Okay. And then if people haven't read the books, they can just end early. All right. That sounds good. Remind me yeah. of this moment then, because I will forget. Yes, for sure. Going to complain about something now. In the mm. in the episode, they chose to make Serafina's 
demon, not a goose. Yes. And it made yeah, me we were talking real mad. About that too. I hate geese, so I'm okay with it. But geese are scary and she's scary and like she's not I don't know she I think the the hawk or the falcon or whatever it was is more mystical and more but everyone is scared of geese I can see that but they made him sound like an accountant oh yeah (laughs) wrong voice acting choice guys he's a middle-class British man why is that make him sound like a Something not that. Oh, I did like that we actually, we got more of the Fartercorum Serafina Pecola story. Like, it's very much a throwaway in the books. Like, yeah, we were in love. We fucked. We had a baby. It wasn't a witch. And then he died. Yeah. Um. This much, this you very much see, like, why they, you know, their reactions to their son dying and, and why they haven't seen each other in so long. And it's it's like two extra sentences, but it provides... So much more context and emotion to those characters and their relationship. I like that, yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, we broke up because we just didn't want to talk to each other anymore. Yeah, because I was getting old and she never would. Yeah. Bye. I also like that they're continually bringing it back to the children. Like, it's a little... Mm. Keep hitting the same nail on the head, but, like, at least as far as the emotional beats, like, you know why Fodder Quorum is there now. Yeah. Yeah. Not just because he has a duty to his people, but because he has these regrets that he is personally fighting off. Yeah, totally. Okay. Let's talk about the Magisterium. Oh, like, let's. The actual physical Magisterium that we went... Okay, so I have a, a bunch of notes. Um, I have a quick architecture note. Uh, again, more uncertain time period, because the Magisterium's building is a very, like, 60s, like, brutalist architecture. Like, <laughs> like uh, my sister said, if it looks like a cheese grater, it's probably from the 60s. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, like, just very concrete... Very stark. Um, so just sort of another very like out of time, kind of hard, yeah, hard to nail down the time period thing. And then obviously like very synonymous with sort of like authoritarianism and and all that. Uh, and then can we talk about Mrs. Colder's red outfit? Oh my oh God. Oh my God. Such a smart choice. I love it so much. Yes. So I know at the beginning of the episode, I texted you guys and I was like, you know shit is real when Coulter adds red to her wardrobe. It was a fuckling declaration of war on those blue carpets. It was a super calculated outfit to wear there. So clearly. Yeah. So like one thing I noticed about it, it's very like traditionally feminine. Like it's a cute skirt and a and a jacket and a cute hat. Like she's very much flaunt. Like because we've seen her a wear like cleavage, pa- yeah, like pants and stuff before. Like she has very like eighties power outfits a lot of the time. But this is very like traditionally like feminine and like not hiding the fact that she's a, like a woman and sort of flaunting this like cute womanliness in front of all these dudes at the magisterium. And then it's red. I have, so when I saw it come on, have you guys seen uh, Gone with the Wind? A long time ago. Okay, so my favorite scene in Gone with the Wind is a shot of the ballroom and Scarlett O'Hara is in mourning because her husband's dead and she's the only person wearing black and Rhett Butler's the only person not in like a tan southern suit. And so all these pastel bitches Mm. floating around and then she goes and dances and like it is the most breathtaking costume moment ever. And this was like getting there. Because it was just like, you have all these assholes in black and white, and then there's Mrs. Coulter in, like, demonic red. It's so good. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> so I immediately, I like, when I, so those scenes started playing, and I, like, went and I looked up, 
And um, the color red is also really strongly associated with Mary Magdalene. Oh, and, and Christina point. probably knows more about this than I do. But yeah, like I was, I was very struck by this. Like, oh yeah, like that's like the whore color. Like, but I mean, obviously, like Mary Magdalene, a very complicated uh, person in history and all that. Not going to get into that. But yeah, like the idea that she's wearing like, like Mary Magdalene red amongst all of these prim men because she like to them that. like really they good. know her backstory mm-hmm. like they know oh yeah she's like a she's like a ruined woman who had sex out of wedlock and had a baby and all this stuff so i think she's really flaunting that in front of them like uh yes i am gonna wear red in front of you and like the whole bit where she's like oh you're shutting me down that's cute here's why you're not gonna do that I'm gonna dominate it's you. Like, yes. When they when they introduce her to the cardinal, so traditionally cardinals are the ones who are wearing red. red yeah. And oh, the fact yeah. that she's wearing it means that she has all the power in the room. Yeah. So that, yeah. Good catch. I like that, but I didn't know the Mary Magdalene thing. That was really. That yeah. I, I bet that's intentional, and I bet it's, it's also both, right? intentional yeah. with the scarlet letter, yeah. where she's just like, "Hi, yeah." yeah. But yes, I love that. I love that scene. I love the scene of her That's coming so down good. the blue carpet too, because it's you're like it's her, it's her color. Oh, I didn't notice that. And yet she's just like, no. If I'm gonna blend, like if it's gonna be a matter of me blending into the background, I'm gonna screw that. And like everything about Mrs. Coulter at the Magisterium is so good. Like again, you're not supposed to like her that much, I think. But like she's. Partly because Ruth Wilson is such a good actress. She is. Like, she is easily the most interesting character in the whole show. I know. Uh, my friends keep telling me that they hate her. I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to hate her. Really? You're not supposed to like her. But she's a very good actor. So mm-hmm. that's why you're supposed to hate her. Because she's portraying her character like she's supposed to. But I think she's also bringing a humanity towards the character that is not portrayed in the books so absolutely yes because and part of it is like you only see from lyra's perspective for the first one, book yeah one dimensional also i think you're like right like they are uh giving the character more depth than she has generally in the books at all yeah or at least you're seeing more of her like backstory and her context and i think it gives so for steph would know this in the third book mrs coulter makes an interesting choice that's kind of unexpected regarding Lyra and this definitely yeah. leads into that way better than the books did so that's yeah and, and yeah in that book it's like it seems way out of left field but now like they're definitely setting that up in the tv version to not be so crazy going forward but yeah no I love that like oh my god she just just that whole thing where she was like uh-huh yeah okay you're gonna take the ablation board away from me no you're not gonna bitch I know they probably did some some fun stuff with the blocking and camera perspectives and whatever, but they got the heights exactly right for the stooped old man to be looking directly down at her breasts. And it was just yes, like... Yes, that was so creepy! It was perfectly creepy, though. Like, it was such a yeah. obvious and yet, like... Terrible. Here's the, the frailty and misshapenness of the church. Yeah, is, totally. Yeah, all these stooped old white man looking at boobs. Right. And yeah. Ms. Coulter not, not taking any of it. No. 
Um, what did you guys think of the scene with uh, Fra Pavel and his alethiometer? Or what did you think of Fra Pavel in general? I was going to say, for me, the main takeaway was it's great to see how many books there are. Mm-hmm. Like when people talk about the books of reference for the alethiometer and they ask Lyra if she has them. And there was a library full? Yeah, it's a library worth of books. Yeah. And that's also why he doesn't actually give an answer to any of those questions. Yeah, because he has to go look it up. I, I thought those scenes were... Both of the scenes with Fra Pavel were very well shot, very calculated with menace, and very, like, it definitely plays into a lot of fears about the Catholic Church specifically, so mm-hmm. at least they're not shying away from that. Yeah. Bijaya, what do you think? I agree. <laughs> um, I was gonna uh, say something about the dude that kept, what is that dude's name uh, that kept calling the other dude a rat? Oh, uh, Boreal. Lord Boreal. Lord Boreal, yeah. I was like, that is kind of... Yeah, is it a thing to, like, derogatory call people, like, their demons? <laughs> like, ratty? Oh, ratty, that's what, yeah. I don't remember it, but... I didn't like it. I mean, it makes sense. It does, yeah. Like, And it's also interesting to see, like, like we've been saying, Philip Pullman never drew out a lot of the logical consequences of this world, but I can definitely see discrimination based on what your demon settles as. Totally. So, like, if you have a cockroach, no one's going to want to associate with you. Well, I, I almost thought that he was trying to make him rat out someone by calling him ratty. Like, you are a rat, you are ratty, uh, and, like, you're going to rat out someone. Like, maybe you're, you uh, haven't ratted out someone yet, but... Or, like, he's going to rat on rat dude because he knows all his secrets you're gonna rat on someone because you're ratty having a rat as a demon i feel like it would be a red flag to a lot of people it's like well i can't trust that person right their demon's yeah a rat. so he was like you're ready you're gonna rat out someone so why don't you just go rat out someone right now for me that's what i thought it was gonna be i do really wish sarah was here actually just because i think the one question i want to ask her in the episode is what does she think of the question Mrs. Coulter asked? Oh. Because it's it's something that really, I would say, doesn't, in the books, does not get resolved until, like, book three. And even then, it's very weird and, like, tenuous and confusing. Yeah. But they seem to be really amping it up, like, already. I don't even know that. You, you haven't even gotten yeah. there yet, Bajaya, I think. I know. Like, it's, they reference it a little bit in the second book, and then it's, like, book three is a lot. Yes. And it... Doesn't it doesn't come out of nowhere, but you had to be paying attention. And so yeah. if you read them as they were released, you were not, because you were a kid over eight years. <laughs> well, even like me, like I when I read them, they were all out and I read them back to back to back, but I mean I was like thirteen. Oh yeah, no, and forget it. I'm I'm looking forward to getting there as an adult because there's so many more concepts that I will understand. Right, yeah. In in that sense, ironically, they're exactly like the um the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe books. Where you're just like, oh, it was about Jesus the whole time. <laughs> right. I was like, that went Damn totally it. over my head. Is this what it's going to be? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it gets, the third book is weird. Like, not to put anybody off it, but the third book, like, you have to pay attention. God dang it. All right. It's it's not really a children's book I'm anymore. Gonna, I've been picking it up and putting it down for, like, two months now the second book i'm gonna do it again the second book is is slow it is slow it's yeah i'm also slogging through it like it's i'm gonna i'm gonna just go through it but i do have a question if we want to just get so they 
get the bear. Yeah. Um, they get the weird snail armor. And then, what is her name? Miss, Mrs. Coulter goes to, goes into a weird cave to talk to a bear. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I feel like, definitely saving on CG costs. Yes. And Sarah definitely would have had questions. His armor looks like he's Predator. That is my question. That is my only comment. He's what? His armor looks like Predator. Oh, like, like the 80s movie, <laughs> oh Predator. God, yes. Alien versus Predator, Predator. It looks like Predator. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, because there's like a whole thing about how his armor is like really ornate and like not as uh, good quality as yours. But yeah, you're right. It's it's a lot. I didn't like it. I can't. I want to see all of it. Like eventually we will see the whole character. Maybe. But I thought it was so like it was pretty dumb. Like having this weird meeting in a cave where he's like, no, I'm a king. You won't see me. I love being a king, but you won't see me in this little cave no, where you always see my HBO face. because HBO spent all their money on this episode already. <laughs> this is the same route that they did with Game of Thrones, and they're doing the same yeah. thing with this. Uh, yeah they were they were stretching a little bit it's yeah it's whatever like it's you know the conversation is interesting because again you see mrs coulter playing a role and very much like she can be a suck up when she needs to oh one thousand percent like she understands like exactly what to give this fuck this bear who thinks he's a human or who wants to be human like she knows exactly what to say to him spoiler alert spoiler alert a little bit. They they've referenced it beforehand, but I think if you're if you didn't know to pay attention to it, you wouldn't oh have registered it and have forgotten it by now. Yeah, if you're watching this for the first time and you see that, that's probably very confusing, but it is important. Yeah. And it's setting up it's setting up a character that I don't know. I, I would really love a person who has not read the books to do a take on that specific scene because it seems mm. totally out of left field, probably. Maybe not, but it just seems like yeah. Mrs. Coulter's doing something, and she definitely wants to keep Lord Israel where he is. And without, like, like laboratory equipment, she, like, references him having a lab. Right, which is, it must be very strange. Yeah. But it was short. And they finally uh, mention the uh, lab in the north. Oh, yes, uh, Bullvanger. Bullvanger. Yes. Which means land of evil. It's like land of... Field of evil. Field of evil. That's what is it. What it is. Yeah. Let's give the episode its demon rating, and then we can do a brief spoiler zone, and then we can sign off, because it is, it is late for me. Yeah. All right, so Bajaya. I am going to give this a bloodhound, because oh. we are on a track. That's good. I like that. God damn we it. We are <laughs> sniffing. We are sniffing. We're on a track. That is good. To see where we're going. That is why we're... I'm going to give it a bloodhound. I like that. It definitely, yeah, it definitely knows. Yeah. It's got his nose to the ground would and you, knows where Would it's going. you say it tracks? Boo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, well, you would say that. I would and say that's it. fine. <laughs> Steph, do you have one? I have one. I do. Okay, you go. Okay, I'm going to give this episode uh, a good farm horse. Why? Because it's re- it was reliable, it was oh. faithful. Oh, okay. Uh, it went kind of slow when it needed to. <laughs> But it went fast when it needed to. I'm going to give you a slap. Thank you. I like that. All right. I'm going to give this episode 
a little risky. Maybe not total, not in total, but generally speaking, I think this episode was a peacock because like mm. there were some truly beautiful moments, like and some truly beautiful costume design. Okay. Even if it was in the ugly ass north, yeah. it was like pretty exquisitely done. But that means that it was a little slow. Like male peacocks. They got heavy ass feathers. They can't move so fast. So yeah, I think it was a little slow, but generally speaking, the prettiness definitely made up for that. So But all the Mrs. Colder. I just if is she single? Like <laughs> I, can I just have <laughs> is she single? Can I just have all her uh, all yeah. her outfits? Can I just like polish her shoes? Can I have her wardrobe? Can I test? Yeah. Can I make her wardrobe? Can I brush her hair? I'll just like steam her shirts for her. <laughs> I would totally do that. Yeah. Does she need several assist? Does she need an assistant <laughs> podcast team to follow her around? <laughs> yeah. Just like narrate what she's doing and what she's wearing. Exactly. She's going to get a restraining order against us, which I'm totally for. Yeah. Her, sh- she would have her monkey beat us up. Which <laughs> I would cherish. That would, you know, that precious restraining order, I would hold it and sleep next to it. That's true. It's proof she knows your name. Right. Exactly. Guys, I might have a problem. Me too. I might have several. It's okay. You know what? We're all a severe Marissa Coulter stands here against all logic. So. I was not expecting it, and I don't like it, but here we are. We're with you. This is, yeah, it's, it's turning into a uh, Mrs. Coulter support group, this podcast. All right. Let's end this. So spoilers. Spoilers. Okay, so if you have not read the books, stop listening now. Go away. We are gonna go five, four, three, two, one. Spoiler zone. Spoilers. <laughs> okay, so in the next week's preview, we see uh they're they're like talking about like, oh, we know what wickedness they're capable of now. And you see uh Ma Costa, who's back. Uh, hugging a child and being like, we must go to war or some shit like that. So I'm pretty sure that Billy Costa is replacing Tony Macarios. Oh, from shit. Uh, so it, yeah, so yeah. And listeners, if you don't remember, Tony Macarios is a is a random character who he's the first one we see get taken by the gobblers, and he's where we see the golden monkey before we meet Mrs. Coulter, and then later he is the kid that they find like in this random village. Uh, who has had his demon cut away from him and he like has the little piece of fish that he keeps with him as his demon. So I'm pretty sure that it's going to be Billy Costa and they're going to find him with no demon. Oh my God. And that's going to be like the big impetus for them to go uh, fuck up Bullvanger. I am dreading this episode because I'm pretty sure. It's going to be grim. I'm pretty sure I'm going to cry, but you know, because I cried. Yeah. Reading the book. Yeah, because the actor who plays Billy is really cute. (laughs) I... I hope you're wrong, but I'm 95% sure you're right. Yeah. Cuz like who else is it, who else could it be, right? Like the to- like that interaction needs to happen so they know what's happening at Bolvanger and we haven't met anybody. Like they could maybe do it with like a random character, but it makes sense being that Roger and Billy are both there and we see Ma Costa like hugging a child of some sort. And it, to be fair, she's the kind of person that would hug a child that's not hers, but yeah. So my question now is, have y'all both watched Golden Compass? The movie? Yes. No, I'm keeping myself pure now. I have it. I was meaning to watch it today and then I didn't because I'm trash. Because the movie ends, I think, I'm pretty sure different than the book and I'm, I want to ask you how you think the 
show will end. I think they're going to stay faithful. I think Roger's going to fucking die. Because mm-hmm. in the yeah in the movie, Roger doesn't die, right? Like, they make it a more happy ending. I don't know. You said you hadn't watched I it. I do not care about spoilers, if you don't care. Okay. Well, no, my sister rewatched it, and I think she told me that Roger doesn't die. We'll see. I think he's dead as fuck in this show. Oh, he better be. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at least they... fucking die. That's <laughs> what Christina said. I did not sign up to watch No British Children Die. <laughs> so there's a scene, and it's, like, so very Asriel, and it's actually really good for, like, showing his character where... So Lyra and Roger show up at his quote-unquote prison, which is, like, know, a fully kitted so... out cabin in the mountains with a lab. Uh, which is presumably what Coulter wants the bears to destroy in this episode. And uh, and he sh- she shows up with Roger and he and Asriel freaks out because he's like, no, no, I didn't, like, not her. I asked for a child, not her. And then he sees Roger and he's like, oh, that's fine. Because he needs to kill a child and he doesn't want to kill his daughter. And that's actually like a really good like Asriel scene. So I hope they keep that in. Are they going to though? I think they will. I hope they do. I hope they I do. But so. I hope they like, distill it because it's gonna i don't know so what was interesting to me about this episode is that they have lyra very distinctly and very like hollywood protagonistly stand up to york and was like don't kill mm. don't kill the magisterium soldiers whereas lyra's a little bit less lyra's a kid like she doesn't have a super great sense of like morality or death like, that's kind of what she's encountering yeah, as the books go on. I'm pretty sure in the book, he kills, like, three soldiers, right? He kills some people, yeah. yeah but yeah. I think she still stops him from, like, crushing yeah, a guy with his Yeah, but he kills, like, three before. But when he says, like, yeah, if they get in my way, I'm going to have to kill them. She's like, that's fair. Yeah. I <laughs> love that moment. Yeah. that's very, very clear. Thirsty. yeah. I am like, I'm like, yeah, he could have killed three soldiers, but don't kill this one kid. It's fine. It's Dudley. But that's why I think you're right, Bajaya. Like, he has a name. He specifically doesn't get killed, so I bet he's going to show back up. At the bare minimum, like, we'll probably see him the again. Bare like, he'll, minimum? he'll point Sorry. the oh, way to Mrs. Coulter or something. Christina. Don't even. No. I refuse to acknowledge that. <laughs> that's too bad. Because it happened, and it was glorious. It was good. Uh, we didn't say much of Boreal this episode, so... Oh, I when I was also trolling on IMDb, I saw that Will is credited for, like, eight episodes. Hmm. So, he, he's already not been in three, so it's probably just IMDb, the crediting being weird. Interesting. Um, but yeah, like, it's quite likely that we will see Will pretty quickly. Interesting. That will be interesting. Yeah. And it will be helpful i think for kind of distilling the subtle knife because if i don't remember being bored by it but i can really boring i can see it so there's a lot of exposition and there's a lot of like uh like a a bajaya how far are you into the point where they have the knife i don't remember okay there's you know so basically will like his hand gets injured Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of like they walk a while, and then Will's hand bleeds a lot, so they have to stop. No. And then they walk some more, and then Will's hand bleeds some more. No, I'm not that so it's far. like a lot of that. In the second book? Yeah. I'm not that far. Okay. I remember there being a lot of discussion about dust and theory, and she's talking with a theoretical physicist, so... Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, that's in the beginning of where I am right now. Apparently, there's some really good science in there. Yeah. Like, I'm excited to see that and to meet the scientist character in the show. I cannot wait to meet Mary Malone. She's badass. Not least because I actually know an ex-nun who Ooh. did the same thing. 
dope. Not not became Satan, eh. but like that's just how she left the church. Nice. She was like that book got it exactly right. I was like, holy shit. Dang. Denise, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Her name is also Denise. So that was less cool. Okay. All right. So thank you for listening. And if you can, you can find all of us at, on, at geeklyinc.com on Twitter. Uh, Bajaya, take it away. I am at Epic Ninja. Any podcasts? Oh, I, um, have, I am on Potterpod and on Wintercrest. Steph. I'm at Steph O'Kingston on Twitter. And you can also find me yelling more on Love to Hate Cast and playing a really dumb supervillain on SHU Podcast. <laughs> and you can find me at Girl on Twitter and uh, live streaming on Twitch with the Happy Hell Hour. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great night or day or... Forever. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever world you're in. Wherever you find yourself. Rate and subscribe on Apple Finn? Oh, he's making himself a nest. Oh, bro, he's boy. been a very sleepy boy today. Where's Brad? As have we all, Finn. Yeah. He's a fucking weird bird. <laughs> oh, Avon does that all the time. Anytime I'm in bed and he's right next to me, he's like, yeah, sort of paw the blankets. I'm like, yeah. I'm- the problem is, is that sometimes he makes a nest for himself, and then sometimes he balls the blankets up to fuck them. Oh, Avon so one of those is like different. Yeah, it's, we we're not allowed to take Finn's balls off until he's ten because of the breeder contract. And thank fuck he has never shown interest in any other old? dog ever. But he will fuck a blanket. Ten you know? years old. Yeah, ten years old. Yeah, because if some reason the breeder ever wanted to come back and be like, "Yo, I want to breed your derpy dog to make more derpy dogs," we technically owe him Finn's sperm. Oh my God! Tell Ruben. Brad. Yeah. Did you get up. a discount for that? I don't know. It was this is a Brad thing. Okay, I'm gonna yell yeah. at Brad. I mean, realistically, like, who is? They're not gonna want to come breed our dumb dog. No, probably not. But anyways, when you said Mary Magdalene and how she was a whore and uh, maybe Christina should know more about that, I was like, Christina, <laughs> what do you need to tell us about your? Your life. <laughs> That's for another episode, you guys. That's. <laughs>
you know, Christina's background is a woman of the streets. Hey, no shade to sex workers. It's no, a hard job, truth. like anything or, else. Or people that like sex. That's fine. Or that. Yeah. No, actually, actually, what is the opposite? I went to divinity school. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, I think Christina has more background in this than I do. That's why. That's how I know Jennifer. We went to the same div school. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Well, now. Okay. But I like, actually, I like Steph's backstory better. I was like, actually, I met Jesus. So, Steph. <laughs> Wait, what? And they finally uh, mention the uh, lab in the north. Oh, yes. Uh, Bullvanger. Bullvanger. Yes. Which means land of evil. It's like land of... Field of evil. Field of evil. That's what is it. What it is. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're the Catholic Church, like, at least try to not sound... No, they don't call it that. That's the witch name for it. (laughs) (laughs) They just call it the station. (laughs) That's right. I forgot. I was like, guys. (laughs) No, yeah. They would just call it bullvanger. (laughs) Do y'all want to... Which does also kind of sound like a type of sausage. It does, really. Yeah. To be fair, though, most things either sound like sausage. I don't speak any German, and so anything that sounds vaguely Germanic <laughs> either sounds like a threat or a food. That's true. fair. Like, yeah. or maybe an animal. So, I'm sorry, German speakers, your language is beautiful, probably, but my uncultured ears can't hear it. Probably. Um, there was a person that asked me the early, uh, earlier this week how, because I tweeted saying, anytime. In a given week, when I talk to my family, I speak in three languages. They're like, how many languages can you actually speak in Nepal? In Nepal? And I was like, uh, 123. I was like, bitch, don't even. <laughs> bitch. Anyway, that's not a... I, I can't speak 123. I can speak like five. Um, but still, as somebody who hardcore only speaks really one language, <laughs> uh, you're... Yeah. <laughs> like It's badass. Um... Let's do the what episode, uh, what demon would you give this episode? Mm. Let's go with Steph, because she's on my screen first. No, but I don't have an answer. <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's, um, it, I feel like it was a, a consistent episode. I'm trying to think of, like, what would a, a consistent animal be, like, a reliable I think animal. Christina should um, actually introduce this segment, because she does this all the time, so... I can go Whatever. first because I have one. Go for it. Okay, you should go first. So yeah. you introduce the segment and then I'll go first. Okay. okay, so let's give the series hashtag golden monkey. Oh man, mm-hmm. wasn't that a team? Oh no. Wasn't that a team on the on the Nickelodeon show? Wasn't it like the Silver Barracuda? Uh, Was there a golden monkey? I have no idea. I did not get that show as a child. Okay. Well, this went nowhere. So moving on. <laughs> all right. I really have to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm good. I've said all the things that I want to say. My kitten is going to wake me up at like in three hours. Oh, Jesus. All right. Let's, let's close the sucker down. <laughs>